are listening to the Auxiliary Gate Podcast, Kentucky's weekly horse racing discussion. And now, here are your hosts, Alan Schneider. You know, Joe, I've got an idea for your paddock show at Churchill this fall with you and Scott. Um, yeah, uh, really? What, what's that? Well, you could start picking winners for starters. <gasps> Brandon Jaggers. My Twin Spires account looks like the Sahara Desert. And me, CC Broadus. Are, are you are you kidding me right now? I mean, do you not pay attention? I just gave you a twenty to one winner at Kentucky Downs the other day. I mean, Cece, maybe you should seriously consider boxing your IQ. Unfortunately for you, that's only two horses a race. The auxiliary gate, big problem. Hello, everybody. Welcome to episode number 140 of the Auxiliary Gate Podcast, Kentucky's Racing Discussion, April 11th, 2023. Less than four weeks until the Kentucky Derby. I'm joined by Alan Schneider. Alan, how you doing? What's up, man? Fun times. This is the weather is just perfect here. Um, it's weather, so it's uh, Derby time is starting to starting this, to get into the senses. Yeah, it really is. This is probably the best day we've had in 2023. No wind. It is. No wind. It is, it's nice. And it, we'd be remiss not to mention it comes after, and everyone knows this, right? But we'd be remiss not to say after a gruesome, tragic day here in the city. And uh, I'm sure everyone knows the story by now. Uh, really, really awful day yesterday here in uh, downtown Louisville. Um, uh, we owe uh, the co- officers who stopped that asshole. Um, he unfortunately stopped him too late or whatever, but uh, it was a scary situation here. A lot of people's lives changed that day for the worst. A lot of people's life ended. And uh, I'm, I'm speak for ECC. We, it's it, it, it's heartbreaking, right? Oh yeah. I mean, it's yeah. It's it's uh, all too often this happens nowadays. Yeah. And it was our turn, I guess. Uh, you know, we hadn't had something like this happen in in many many years in Louisville. 30 years ago, I remember Standard Gavira 30 years ago, you know. Right, right. Uh, but you would also be remiss if we didn't mention, uh, I mean, it's a small token that we can do, is just to mention Officer uh, Galloway, who stopped the uh, evil, stopped the evil in his tracks. Um, and I'm remiss off the top of my head, I'm forgetting his first name, but Officer Galloway stopped the man. And we also have to pray for the officer who only been on the job for two weeks, right? And Ran right to ran right into the danger and got shot and is in pretty bad shape. Uh, the local hospital is, I believe, his name is Nick Wilt, a young man, only been on for two weeks. So, you know, we talk about horse racing a lot or whatever, and and I mentioned this a lot that people go on about what's wrong with horse racing and stuff. It pales in comparison to some of the problems we have uh, across the country, and I think this is a a good example. It's okay to have diversions and stuff, but. Uh, you know, we trade it all right now for Nick Wilt and some of these uh, people to be back with us and stuff. But uh, it's, it's, it was a tough day, but hopefully we can move on, right? And I'm going to uh, I, I admonish the people that, that push back against everybody that 
offers thoughts and prayers. I agree with that too. Yes. Yeah. Yes. I, just my personal opinion. I don't. I don't know if there's anything better that or anything more powerful that you can do than than to pray for somebody. That's just my personal opinion. That's agreed. And uh, yeah. So yeah, continue to send those thoughts and prayers. In my, it's opinion. okay. It's okay to have your opinions in this and that. We all do and such. But uh, let's not admonish people for someone who truly believes in that or whatever. We don't yeah. know what we don't know what to do, and we do believe that helps or whatever. So. It, and the last thing I'll say on this, that it, it sucks that now that this place, this uh, where this bank is located, right? It's tucked in between, really tucked in between uh, Sluggerfield. It's in between Sluggerfield and you know where the Louisville Thoroughbred Society is. And we've mm-hmm. been there before. Now, now this place is going to be remembered for this. Yes. Which you know that's that's sad. It sucks for the city. Right down by the river and stuff. It's it's a it's a really nice part of town, but. Um, you know, it's it's tragic, and I don't know what more we can say about it, but we'd be remiss not to mention it. So, yep. Moving on. Yeah, man, hard to turn the page on something like this, but but we will. We will try. Now we didn't have a podcast last week, but we do want to cover the last five Kentucky Derby preps. Oh yeah, yeah. I was a gone. I was. I was. I didn't even get to see a couple of them. I was did not have service where I was at. <laughs> well, there was the Florida Derby, the Arkansas Derby, the week prior, and then of course this past weekend we had the Bluegrass Stakes, the Santa Anita Derby, and the Wood Memorial. Uh, I'll throw my two cents in on the Florida Derby and the Arkansas Derby since you didn't see those. Uh, the, right. the Florida Derby. I, I think the the thing that struck me the most was, uh, the, of course, Forte was heavily bet leading up to the race, but a horse that was really bet into him was Mage. The, the horse is making his third time or third start for uh, uh, Delgado. And uh, this horse took a ton of money and, and he ran, he ran to the, to, to his backing, got to the lead first around the turn and around the final turn. And then Forte just ran him down. It was, it was, Pretty impressive effort for a horse making his third start. I was really interested in what Mage. Uh, he, he, it was just it was a, a a big performance by Mage, and even bigger performance by Forte, mm-hmm. who you know he he broke from the eleven hole. Not that that's not the place you want to be at Gulfstream going two turns. And Arad Ortiz found a, a a place for him early. He didn't lose a lot of ground. He was passed by Mage as as I said on the on the far turn. And a ride was it didn't phase a ride, and he rallied up on the outside and and, and caught Mage uh, right at the wire. And the race came back kind of slow, which is interesting if you're looking to play against Forte, who will probably be in the neighborhood of five to two, three to one on Derby Day. But uh, impressive performance nonetheless. And we're really in this day and time, you need to celebrate a horse that's won four races in a row, like the. Mm-hmm. The Breeders Future Charity at Keeneland, the Breeders Cup Juvenile, the Fountain Youth, and now the Florida Derby. He he is a really nice horse, and uh, if you if you want to knock him in terms of betting him in the Kentucky Derby, that's fine. But it, at least acknowledge that he's a he is a really nice racehorse. Indeed, indeed, well said. And then Arkansas Derby Day, uh, Angel Empire for uh, for the Outlaws. Who have been seeking a, a Kentucky Derby win for several years now? They spent put a lot of money into the game, and this horse uh, he he blew by the competition. Now that the race is over, you wonder what he beat. And he his buyers 
buyer speed figure was somewhere in the neighborhood of uh, of what Forte ran, but he was much the best in the Arkansas Derby. And this is a horse on on the rise. He gets five weeks, of course, now between between the Arkansas Derby and the Kentucky Derby. And it's Brad Cox, and he is a major player for certain. Yep, I agree with that. And I I didn't think much of him last year to be honest with you, but. Uh, they all mature differently, right? And Brad Cox does a great job. So honestly, it shouldn't be that surprising. This horse is on the rise. So, mm-hmm. yeah. And uh, now let's get into the past weekend, of course, uh, the, the Bluegrass at Keeneland, the Santa Anita Derby, and the Wood Memorial at Aqueduct. You saw all those three races. I'll ask you to rank, rank those races, one, two, and three. You know, I've always got to keep an, a little bit in mind because of, of my bias, my um proud bias in the state of Kentucky and the track, the circuits that I play. So I mean, I am going to put the bluegrass first. Is it the deepest field? No, but is, is it top heavy? Did the top heavy horses live up to the billing? Then yes. So in my mind, I think two legit contenders, um, two legit contenders uh, had one heck of a battle down the stretch. And I'll start with verifying who verifying needed to run. Well, he did. I think people are going to fall asleep a little bit on verifying. They're going to look at his performance in Arkansas. I mean, they got worn down by Tepid Trice here after setting a perfect trip. I still think Verif- I think with the move forward, I think verifying is right there. Uh, we're, we're talking about a, a, a derby with not a lot of speed in it, and this horse can can sit that trip. That might be a magic trip if he gets there. I thought he, for a horse that's still in the improve, really dug in against a, a hard-charging, lumbering war horse in Tepid Trice. So I like that. And I did in Tepid Trice – Luis Saez has to have you. I'd like to do the Luis Saez workout, right? Where I just have to ride Julia Shining and I have to ride Tap and Trice because he rides those horses hard as hell for like seven eighths of a mile in these races. It seems like, and he gets them to finish. I don't. I mean, the guy's got to be incredibly strong for his size. Those horses are always in a drive. He always gets Tap and Trice off the rail and out into the clear where she he needs to be. And you know, he was wide and just kept coming. Went by a good horse and verifying. So give me the bluegrass first. Uh, I guess I'll put Santa Anita Derby second. It was, I'm not big on some of these blanket finishes. I I wasn't really crazy about the horses outside the Japanese horse in the Santa Anita Derby. I would still say it's stronger than the wood. Um, I, everybody goes on about Skinner. I'm not really big on Skinner. Skinner had every right to pass horses down the lane and didn't do it. I'm never big on when horses cannot pass horses when they should. Uh, but the Japanese horse helped me with the name, brother. What is it? Practical. Um, excuse me. Uh, Mandarin Hero. Mandarin Hero looked good. Looked looked good. Come up come up the rail and stuff and actually went by Skinner, right? So like a lot of people, I keep my eye on that horse who came from the B circuit track or the C circuit track. Um thought practical joke had a pretty good run of the race and you know, maybe didn't need to run that well because he was already in the Derby, so maybe they were saving something. But the Wood Memorial, you know, fun race to watch. I didn't bet it. Fun race to watch, but uh my guy uh the winner uh help me with the name there. The big long shot. Lord uh, Miles. Lord Miles. I wish he'd have done that in the Tampa Bay Derby. I could use him in the Tampa Bay Derby, but uh hell of a ride by Paco Lopez. Hell of a stretch field there. So I'll rank him that way. Bluegrass, then Bluegrass and Sandy Derby, then Wood. Would you agree with that? I think so. I'm so confused on the San Anita Derby because that came up with the highest buyer speed figure. But you know, practical move who uh we we've got four weeks to talk about this, but practical move has won three in a row, three stakes in a row, and he's had perfect trips in every one of them. He, yeah. He, regular skimming trips. And, you know, I, I want him to be over bet in four weeks because I'd maybe take a take a shot against him. 
you can never knock a horse for getting sometimes we're, we're guilty of that as horse players we knock horses that get perfect trips and stuff it's like well that's what they're supposed to do that's what their jockey's supposed to do that's what we want them to do that said i would like to see him kick kick clear a little better than he did i think vasquez was waiting a little bit on other horses and maybe he got a little too confident he still won the san anita derby sometimes we overlook that he won a grade one but uh i'm with you there it's like uh, I would like to see him finish a little bit stronger, but again, he may have been, maybe a deal. Hey, just we'll just get the race in, get the win, we'll move on and try to peak in four weeks. Yeah, and the, I gotta talk about the Japanese horse, Madden and Hero. That, yeah, again, this is a horse that's running on their B or C circuits, the the not the JRA circuit, that I think it's called the NAR, and it's a lot of dirt racing, and and dirt racing is not popular as popular as turf racing in, is in japan but th- this guy comes over he, and, and and he almost pulls off a win in one of our biggest races yeah and it, it leads me to believe you know he's not as good as the horse that's coming from uh, dubai uh, who's already here by the way derma sotagake yeah i think you know, that, i'll really like that horse a lot you know what's unfortunate about that for the people who are going to play derma sotagake is like he didn't even run and his horse, his odds just dropped, didn't they? In theory, right? Because everybody's going to start thinking the same way we're thinking a little bit. And if this B, B circuit horse is good, then Derma Sotagaki must. So if you were thinking you're getting 15 to 1, you might be getting 8 to 1 now. I don't know. We'll yeah. see. This horse, this this horse is, he, he can win on the lead. He can come from behind. He's just a, he's a, he's a super nice race horse. His pedigree is weird it's he's a son of mind your biscuits who right kind of did a you know he ran a little bit of everything but he was a better he was better going one mile or less but the horses grandsire and granddam and and going back on that bottom side this horse is bred to run forever i think he i don't remember a horse named tony ben i think he won the arc way back in the 90s that's that is the grandsire or the or excuse me great grandsire or, or or third or fourth generation, something like that. But this horse is, he's bred to run two miles if he needs to. So mm. I'm not worried about that at all. But I, that, that we got a long time to talk about that. Oh, yeah. And your mind will change several times and you'll start, yep. you know, I, the only thing I would tell people here is like, don't over, don't overthink it. You know, stick with your gut and stuff and don't get too caught up on, in everything or whatever. Narrow it down and then tweak your, tweak your selections from there. And that Mandarin Hero is not even uh, in the body of the race. He finished second in the San Derby, and he's still like 23rd or 24th on the on If I was 23rd, I'd be feeling pretty good, though, right now, to be honest with you. I think there'll be enough, we got enough time for three to drop out. Yeah, Hell, he I, might drop out. Who knows? But there is yeah. one more prep this weekend. It's the Lexington Stakes with uh, yeah. supposedly Disarm. We'll know more tomorrow, but Disarm is supposed to run. He was runner-up in the Louisiana Derby. Looking forward to, uh, to that race. But uh, now we have a guest. And we had a big to- weekend. He had a big weekend. Yeah, we, yeah, we're going to talk about that. And mm-hmm. as a matter of fact, uh, yeah, he is uh, he's on the line here and we'll get to him very shortly. Tonight's guest is someone we are very, very partial to at the Auxiliary Gateway podcast. He was our first guest three years and 140 episodes ago. I can't believe it's been that long. And, and we've always been grateful and honored that he's been so gracious with his his precious time because it is precious time. He's got a family, travels a lot. Uh, but he's been very gracious with his precious time for us. He's he's riding as high as always after taking the grade one Ashland stakes with long shot defining purpose Saturday. He'll be piloting her in the Kentucky Oaks next month for Kenny McPeak. Maybe have something in the run for the roses. 
And of course, we're talking about the Brian Hernandez Jr. Brian, how's it going? Everything's good. We're sitting out here on the farm. Ben and Annabelle are hanging out. We're cruising along. Living the life out there because it's a perfect day to be out there, right? Yes, sir. We played a little golf and now we're just enjoying the sunshine. You were name dropping a bit off air. Tell me who you're playing golf with earlier today. Oh, actually, I got lucky today. I played with Ian Wilkes and uh, Chris Landeros and, and Chris's father, Manny. Is it oh. good afternoon? Yeah, the heck of an afternoon. I uh, was stuck in an office at, at Toyota all day, so you you beat me there, but I'm not surprised. Uh, anyway, thanks uh, thanks for joining us for a third time. And seeing as this is your third time, I guess outside the birth of your children and maybe win the Breeders' Cup Classic, would this be the highlight of your career thus far? Um, yeah, probably. You know, you're going to Keeneland. You come into Keeneland off of winters down in New Orleans. You're like, oh well. If you can start out with a, a good weekend at, at Keeneland and you jump up and win a grade one, especially their marquee grade one like it was, um, it, it's something special, for sure. Well, actually, I was talking about being on the podcast for the third time, but I mean, I guess that Ashton was pretty cool, too. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I'm sure we're somewhere in the top 10. We're somewhere in the top 10 of your great moments in your career, but uh, all kidding aside. Uh, first things first, how was your annual stay at the fairgrounds this year? The fairgrounds was good, you know. We uh, our weather was good, and we we had a lot of fun. I will say that I I wintered well, and wintered well. Horses <laughs> came out of there good, so I mean it, it was what it was. The fairgrounds is the fairgrounds is always gonna be sentimental in my heart, and we will try to go there every winter, but just because. We come out of there with some good horses like we did this weekend, and uh, we're going to just keep going forward with it. What were some of the highlights down there this year? Personally, professionally, I'm sure you, you're, you're alluding to the fact that you may have had a little fun outside of the races, but uh, anything come to mind off that four-month uh, stay down there? I think the there was two highlights down there. You know, I got lucky, and I uh, I won the, the Gary Palmisano State for the second year in a row. That's Which right. Is, uh, it's that that's a very sentimental race for me because I'm very, very good friends with uh, little Gary Palmisano <laughs> and his dad is uh, he was a very, very, very instrumental person in my career. So to, to win that race was huge. And then to come into the last day of the fairgrounds. We uh we had the Chantel Lannery Memorial race, right. the very last race of the meet. So to watch Corey win that race in honor of his wife, that was kind of um that was one of the the highlights of the meet, and um it was very very meaningful. A great way to end it, very sentimental way to end it. Yeah, uh, the racing world was happy to see that as well too. I can assure you we all were. So that was that was a fitting end. Um, you know, we got you on the fairgrounds. Talk, let's talk a little bit about the turf course real quick down there this year. Uh, veteran for veteran horse players and viewers such as us and other people, it was kind of bizarre to watch. Let's be honest, it was a little weird to watch when you've been watching turf racing your whole life. Uh, so I can only imagine what it was like to ride on it. Um, what were some of the quirks, perhaps, and what were some of the strategy used to maneuver after you kind of got used to it? You know, going down there, we uh, we got there in the fairgrounds. The inside of the turf course was in pretty bad shape, so um, they decided to only run eight horse fields the entire meet, and 
it was one of those deals where we only ran two we only ran one race a meet one race a day for most of the meet so it was kind of like if you were inside you were dead one day and then the next day outside was really really good so it was one of those deals where you just had to kind of hope you rode the best horse on the day and you went from there were there days where you had the best horse in the turf course you just couldn't win because of the turf course or um i mean yeah we saw a lot of 27 and twos 53s and twos and that was actually a speed duel but but is that a possibility some of those races or throwout races or do you think for horses or not yeah you know prime example of that was um tis the bomb i rode him down there twice and both times i was like man my horse is better than this he should he should go for it so then the last time i rode him i rode him in the munez there and he went around the first turn in a really, really good order. So I was like, oh, okay, I got my old horse back. And then we hit a spot middle to the backside. And I was like, he just fell apart. So then I was like, God, he hates his surf horse. So then he came back. He ran here at Keeneland the other day. And he actually ran a respectable fourth. He did. Very, very, very tough Alliance race. So I think it was just one of those courses the other day where he just – you just kind of had to hope your horse handled it more than anything. Uh, so, I mean, I'm sure Ed DeRosa, you know, is a big fan of Tiz Bomb. I am, too. would be happy to hear that. So you're saying keep an eye on Tiz Bomb when he gets a little different turf course. So after that after that perk up at Keeneland, right? We might see yeah, a better, I think, different Tiz Bomb. I think going forward, you got to look into Tiz Bomb as being a better horse than he ran down there. His first few races, you got to kind of throw out okay, and that's, move forward that's, from there. I like hearing that. I'm sure other people will too, because he's been one of my favorites. And I was just glancing at your career stats, um, and we all know they're impressive. We all kind of know the numbers. Whatever. One number just jumped off the page at me, and that's you earned 114 million dollars in your career. You're only 37 years old, as I recall. Do you ever sit back and think that you've amassed such an amazing amount of money for yourself, for your owners, for the horsemen? Do you ever? I mean, that's that's a staggering amount. You've done that. And your daughter, it's helped your daughter out too there, right? <laughs> <laughs> no, it's just, it's one of those stats where you just, you know, with the way the purses are here in Kentucky again, you're just hoping to uh, keep accumulating. I mean, that's that's an impressive amount, though. That's a, that's a pretty pretty big total. That's that's what good horses do for you, though. Yeah. And let's dive right into that, that big win on Friday in the Ashland. It was uh, on Defining Purpose. Horse was coming off two impressive wins. I know there was some had run a couple of bad races in a slop, but there's only a seven horse field, and you're warming the horse up uh, three minutes for the race. You look up at the tote board, and he's like 38 to one. Does that shock you? This horse was getting ignored at the windows. I know there was a couple of big names in there, but still, I mean, did you think he was 38 to one? You know, I thought the I thought she had a chance the whole time. To be honest with you, my wife has loved this place from day one. She's kept telling me all along, all winter long. I was down in New Orleans and I was riding horses here and there. And she's like, that defining purpose for Kenny, she's a really, really good horse. You need to tell Kenny you want to ride her. Da, 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 da. I was like, ah, oh, Jamie, she's, she's, she's okay. She's Oaks caliber, maybe blah, blah, blah. But she's been adamant about that Philly's going to win a greater race somewhere along the line. So I have to give all the credit to her and Kenny. 
Uh, you know, I may, I'm wondering if we have the wrong Hernandez on the show now. Sounds like we need Jamie on for a handicapping special, right? Yes, you do. Sounds like she knows her stuff. Um, and, and, and let's face it now, I'm admittedly biased because I played Defining Purpose in that race. So thank you for the, the nice weekend I had. Um, but that was a perfect ride. And you're sitting right off the speed. You're able to get out ahead of the, the, the big guns and punch bow and wonder we'll get, a, get ahead of them out of the gate and get in that, that catbird spot. And then you push the button at the right time because you got to keep that short stretch uh, measured. How confident were you feeling on the backstretch when you got out like that, when you were second on the outside and had those guys pinned behind you and uh, you were in the catbird seat? Were you feeling pretty good on the backstretch? You know, going into the first turn when uh, we put the Brad Philly away pretty easily down and she was pinned down on the inside. And the Norm Cassie Philly made the lead. I, I just told myself, I said, just be patient. I know I got the horse under me. Just, mm-hmm. just don't, don't even worry about anybody else in the race. And from that point on, it was just, it was kind of simple. And that's, that's what happens in those big races. It's, it's pretty much simple. You just kind of cruise along, and if you have the right horse under you, it's gonna, it's gonna happen. Well, you know, that actually, it kind of gives me a chance. The, the ride in that race is, is a segue that for me. To the hey, I've got Brian Hernandez in here. Let's ask him a jockey question because he's pretty damn good. Uh, something I've wondered when when we watch races and we see a horse get out second, third, just off the just off the pace on the outside. He's in that that dream spot, right? That dream stalking spot. For those of us novices who think we know everything, sitting in our living room or sitting at the track, we think, oh, this this horse is going to win easy because he's got the ideal trip. But there's probably more to that, right? When you there's a lot of factors that go into that. Is it when to push the button, right? Do you don't, you don't push the button too soon or are you waiting for the, the jockey ahead of you to show weakness? What is the key to capitalizing in your mind, in your experience, uh, when you get that trip, when you get that dream trip that we all see? Well, in an experience like that, when, uh, when Todd's Philly got to me at the half and she, she was nudging forward and she couldn't get past me. I was like, okay, now I'm okay. I can get around the second turn to the point I need to be. So when I got between the 516 pole and the quarter pole on my own terms, I'm like, okay, now my Philly put herself forward. So all I got to do from this point is just be patient because Norm Cassie Philly to my inside, she's not going to sprint away from me. Right. So you, just, you sit there and you just go, okay, now we're going to just wait, wait, wait. And then once we turn for home, I was like, all right. If something runs me down, they're going to have to be really, really running. And, and you held off a good one at Punchball because Punchball was coming. And Punchball's punch a really nice coming. horse. Yeah. So and, Punchball's never been in that situation either. Yeah. He he, he kind of got him down the inside of wherever I thought you had it measured perfectly. And to, to kind of piggyback, I wanted to just ask you about that trip. It's like so Keelan has that short stretch. Churchill has a long stretch. Uh, the Fairgrounds has a really long stretch. So when you – so is it – does Depending on the racetrack that you're at and the size of the stretch, is that is that different when you decide to push the button? I mean, sometimes you go on the turn, sometimes you wait as long as you can when you're in that deal. I mean, you've got that in the back of your mind that you've got the short stretch of the at, at Keeneland, right? Is that always something oh, yeah. you think about? Yeah. Yeah, 100%. Because even like at the fairgrounds, when we're racing at the fairgrounds, you have the short stretch to the mile run. So yes. You always, you always plan yourself up going into that second turn that, oh, I got to be going forward going into the short stretch and same thing as Keeneland going into the second turn, you need to be going forward. 
but then if you're going to go to the original finish line at Keeneland, you, you're going, well, I got to wait. Maybe Richard Mueller put it best for everyone. You might have to wait six more seconds rather than nine seconds. I get it. I get it. That makes sense. And so now you've ridden, I don't know how many races. I I, I looked the numbers up. I came here. Let's say it's 15,000 races your career. I don't remember. Have you ever screwed up the stretch? Have you ever screwed up the uh, at the fairgrounds or at Keeneland? Have you ever like, oh, even when we didn't realize it, maybe you finished, you were going to finish seventh anyway, but you you forgot that it was a short stretch or vice versa? No, I fortunately I've never done that, but I screw shit up at three times a week. <laughs> yeah, I know that. We all, everybody does that, right? But I, I just wonder if sometimes I'm sure other riders have forgotten about the short now, stretch. A prime example of this is um, I'm going to give you guys a good story. So years ago, we were down at the fairgrounds, and Kobe and I, my little brother, we're in the same corner. My dad, he uh, he's our valet. So he's looking at the form. He goes, okay, short stretch, da-da-da. Okay. So we go out there, we race, and um, we get to the eighth pole at the fairgrounds. So the 16th pole is the wire, and he's going to win. <laughs> and I'm like, shit, he's going to win, he's going to win. And then all of a sudden, he's like, he quits riding. And I'm like, what are you doing? You just said we were going to the uh, to the wire. So I nailed him. <laughs> and he just so forgot? What happened? Yeah, he just he, forgot. Well, you know what I admire about this story, Brian, is the fact that you couldn't come up with the time that you did it, but you're able to throw your brother in the bus. I love it. <laughs> well, exactly. <laughs> That's good. That's why you're the best. It'll make him a better rider. There you go. He won't do it again. Um, right. Hey, CC, you want to take it away, brother? Yeah, Brian, uh, just a couple questions. Uh, back on Louisiana Derby Day, it was a 15-race card, and you rode in a bunch of races that day. I was just curious, is that a, is that too long of a day? Do, do, the, do the knees get weak late in the day, and it kind of affects some other riders? Uh, you know, just overall energy to, uh, to deliver their best performances? I don't, I don't know. You'd have to ask the other riders, but for like me, when the big days come about, those are the days you, uh, you prepare for like, like prime example, down in Louisiana, I'll ride like two or three a day, every day, but come Louisiana Derby, Risen Star, Lecomp days, I'm going to ride 13 or 14 races. Those are the days that you, you set your mindset for. It's like a golfer, really. You set your mindset for those big days and you just go and figure it out. Like these are the days I have to perform. So fatigue is not an issue at all. No, fatigue should never be an issue. Good. Okay. You should be, you should be fit enough to ride 15 a day every day. Okay. Wow. <laughs> I see Luis Saez ride uh, when he rides Tepid Trice and he rides Julius Shining. I'm like, he does that 15 times a day, my God. <laughs> but he does it 15 times a day. Yeah, he yeah, does. That's true. So over the next three days, uh, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday at Keeneland, I, I've got you riding 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10. You've got 12 mounts for Ken McPeak. Wow. I'm going to make a lot of money. Yeah, so w when you all meet in the paddock, you know, before you get on the horse, does he give you instructions on every single one of them, or, or are you in a spot where you you know what you're going to do prior to prior to getting on the horse, or how, how does that work? That is one of the greatest things about the the guys I ride for. Between 
Kenny repeat, Dallas Stewart, Ian Woke, they don't give me any instructions. Like they that I think that's what's kind of helped my career through stages is that that they're like, okay, you know your job. Just go out there and do it. You you're well prepared, leave it alone. And it is what it is. But like there's certain situations where there'll be like, oh well, go ahead and try this, try that, blah, blah, blah. And it works. So it's kind of here and there, say there. Do you do anything extra to prepare for these races? Now that you know you've got what Monday, Monday and Tuesday off. Do you do you do replays or anything like that? Or do you know these horses fairly enough that you can you can just get on them and, and ride them to their best? No, I mean when you're getting into to grade ones and and bigger races like you are, you're preparing yourself for for everything. Like you're, I watch every single horse's races. I know where I think every horse should be, and it just gives me a better idea of um, w- the mindset of of the other riders and where I need to be in a race. So it's and I do that for every single race, every single day I ride. I'm just like, okay, this horse, he, you know, if a maiden 50 ran fifth for, for that price, maybe if I put him, maybe if he was two lengths off of it rather than seven lengths off of it, he might have a little better chance of doing it. So you just, you prefer, you prepare yourself and you, you set yourself up to, to try to go forward. Understood. Okay, Brandon, take it away. Yeah, hey, Brian. Um, man, it's always exciting to watch what you, you know, bounce and see what, what's coming up. And, I mean, I'm so thankful to have Keelan back open in the springtime. And uh, tell us a little bit about your weekly schedule now that you're back home, and then and then we'll talk about your mounts this coming week. Uh, the weekly schedule is Jamie bosses me around, tells me the <laughs> weed eat, and – do a little mowing, da da da. <laughs> she she's telling me I need clean stalls, but I I don't touch horses when I'm not at the track, so she's got that part figured out. But then so after that, we just kind of figure it's it all nice out. And, nice and casual. You're not going to Keeneland or riding it on any horses in the mornings, you know, prior to the race days. And no, no, like- no, no. Tomorrow morning, like I gotta work some horses for Kenny. I'm I'm normally out there six five six days a week yeah yeah and then you're home by 10 though or nine right yeah we're home by nine and then james got her short list yeah <laughs> good well uh i hope uh personally i hope to make keeneland on friday and uh but d- you've got a lot of you know allowance and maiden uh, races carded for the next couple of days anybody that jumped off the page to you that you're excited about or do you know kind of what your schedule looks like you got bourbon creed for ian wilkes i saw uh one more that uh a creative minister for kenny mcpete yeah creative minister he's an mto actually and then um the horse for ian i actually played golf today with ian and ian's he said he's worked well and he he's uh he's really high on him so we'll see what happens good good but I mean, you're going to be busy for the next. I mean, they start racing, uh, I believe it's tomorrow, right? Yeah, yeah, we start racing yeah. back tomorrow. Yeah, we're, we're used to the Thursday cards and, you know, Turfway. Thursday. Yeah, the turfway. So 
I don't know if I can keep up with a five day or five day a week race card at Keeneland, but I'm certainly going to try. Um, <laughs> guys, help me out. Who who was the horse that just went to Keeneland, cut back to I think seven furlongs? Remember, I won against Farmington Road. Beat uh, Run Classic. Run Classic. Can, what 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 do you think, Brian, of, of that horse? I mean, you've had the mouth. The horse, you know, is fast and talented. They just can't seem to put it all together. What? Tell us a little about. Can you share anything about that horse with us? I don't. I don't know. I mean, I thought that horse was like my uh, my classic horse this year. Actually, you know, last year he was he was second in that that three other in at at Churchill, and he ran a really really good race. And then um, we yeah. rode him a couple. I went to Oakland. I rode him. He had a tough trip, and then I rode him a couple more times. He had, he had a couple of tough trips, and um, then the last time, the in the uh, the race before the uh, New Orleans Classic, I Frank, my agent, took off of him to ride it, uh, hoist the gold, and um, he ran well. And I thought the other day he'd run really really good in the. Uh, in the Commonwealth, he's just—he's not—he just hasn't quite put it all together yet. I guess is the best way to put it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, we we CCs follow that horse, loves that horse, bets the mortgage on it every time to win, and it just doesn't put it together. And I've lost four houses already. Yeah. <laughs> he's kidding. He's kidding. Yeah, <laughs> but I mean, it's just been. It, I thought I thought the distance of the last race was going to be perfect. I mean, maybe a mile, you know. But, well, Rayleigh yeah. Rayleigh rode him last week, right? Rayleigh rode him. Yeah. Yeah. Rayleigh's rode him his last two starts. That's what I thought was a big switch, and I was like, man, I'd love to ask Brian about this if we have him on the pod. But yeah, yeah. I, I I thought you were I right. I love that horse. I don't think he's quite put it together, but I think he is a really really good horse. He'll get it together. He'll get it together for Cal. All right. Well, I'll include him in my show pool next time. <laughs> Sounds good. Hey, Brian, if I can interrupt. Like, can we talk about Mendelssohn's March in the bluegrass real quick? Uh, what were your thoughts on his trip? And I know this horse is his, he's a half brother to Mr. Big news. who was third in the Derby in the, oh, the is COVID he? Derby. Oh. Yeah. And, but he's bred for grass. Really. He's, his grandsire's Galileo. His sire's Mendelssohn who actually can do dirt, dirt or turf. But uh, what's your thoughts? What were your thoughts on, 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 uh, on his performance on Saturday? And what, what do you think the future holds for him? I know they're high on him. Uh, yeah, I thought Mendelssohn's March was uh was my derby horse really. He um he's a really really good horse. I think he just he stepped into the big leagues on Saturday and um he he just wasn't quite ready for it. But to be honest with you, I was actually coming. I came to Turfway to ride him in the Bataglia. Really? He didn't have yeah he didn't have the earnings to get in. So he shipped from. Keeneland, I'm sorry, he shipped from the fairgrounds to Keeneland, and then when he didn't get into the Bataglia, he shipped the very next day, he got on a van, and he went to uh, to Oaklawn, and he won that allowance race at Oaklawn, very impressively, and um, I think he's just a horse that, like, he's not, he's not quite there yet, you know what, he, he wasn't, he wasn't mentally ready for, uh, 
for the bluegrass, but I think he ran a respectable enough race to where Kenny's going to do the right job with him and, and point him for a race here at, at Churchill, and, and you're going to see what a good horse he really is. Yeah, a lot of options for that horse. I mean, he could he could go as a turf big like a half million dollar turf race on Derby Day. He could go in, or or you know, there's he could ship all over the country for to run on dirt. Yeah, so yeah, that's I'm sure. Uh, looking forward to seeing that one again for sure. Okay, Al. Yeah, that's a tall ask. I mean, Mendelssohn's Mar uh, Mendelssohn's Magic. It's third third career start coming off a maiden win, right? Trying to win a mile and eight bluegrass against two monsters. I thought it was a pretty good effort, to be honest with you. So I, I expect big, big things from the horse. Uh, so I thought he ran pretty respectably well. Um, one last thing before we, I'll let you go. I don't want to keep you too long, Brian. But, you know, you you, you look forward to going to the fairgrounds, right? That that has its own panache, its own fun. Then you, I'm sure Keeneland gets the blood pumping, right? But is Derby Week, when, when Keeneland shuts down and it, you get that Derby Week buzz going on the back stretch that week, is there anything better? Do you feel a different sense of excitement? Are you like, man, spring is here. This is this is the life. No, I mean, just being here in Kentucky, you know, and being a part of these good horses. I mean, that's that's what you want, like, especially living here in, in the Louisville area. You know, you want to uh, you want to experience that. So it's just to be able to come into these races with with horses that you think have legitimate chances and and just enjoying the moments i think that's kind of the biggest thing we we you got to remember in this sport is you just have to uh enjoy the moments and not get too down on the bad things right i mean there's, you're going to lose some races right you're going to lose a few but enjoy the enjoy the victories right you get a bunch of them and soak we, up the, the soak up the good ones we live in a sport where you're going to win 18 percent of the time if you're really really good and mm-hmm. lose the rest so you better enjoy them i like that way of thinking it's the same way the people that play the horse i wish the people who play the horses would remember that once in a while and stuff to pick your spots and you'll be happy right so um just one and one last thing i you don't have to give me any names or whatever but you probably still got a good few good ones to launch with mcpeak right there's probably a few good ones coming right we yeah have we have it. a few we have a few good ones for McPeak and then a few other guys. We'll uh, we'll see how it all develops. You know, that's the thing about this racing thing is you think you have some really, really good two-year-olds coming along, and then it just doesn't work out. So you just got to kind of live, like you said, live in the moment and uh, enjoy it all. Well, I know what you're, you're on a farm right now with your family and kids on a sunny 78-day outside the city of Louisville and stuff, so I'm sure you are uh, living the life right now with a bunch of live horses that come at Keeneland and Churchill. So we appreciate you stopping by, as always, Brian. You've been, Again, you're so gracious coming on with us, whatever, and you kind of set the tone uh, for us. I don't, you probably don't even realize that, but because of you, other people come on this show, and we can't believe the people that do, so we do appreciate you doing that. No, thank you guys for always having me on. All right, Brian. Thanks again, buddy. Yes, sir. Okay, that was Brian Hernandez Jr. Had a big weekend, but he's no stranger to uh, to uh, winning big races on this Kentucky circuit. Consummate professional. Uh, he'll be in the Kentucky Hall of Fame one day if he's not in the National Racing Hall of Fame, which, by the way, put Perry Hutes in. But anyway. He's won a Breeders' Cup Classic. Uh Won all kinds of stakes races here. He hadn't needs to uh, add a, a triple crown race to his. Uh, it's, it's just a matter of time. It's just yeah. a matter of time. Maybe it comes this year. Uh, yeah, hopefully, I'll be. We'd be cheering as loud as anybody for him down stretch if he's able to get it, wouldn't we? 
Yeah. Awesome to see. Yes. We got Sonny Leon one last year. We got, you know, Eric Reed one. Calvin yeah. Burrell's banged a few. It's time for Brian Hernandez to get one, but it's just a matter of time. Yeah, no doubt about it. Uh, another big weekend of racing coming up here. Uh, big big day on Friday, Maker's Mark Mile. And uh, Lexington Stakes on Saturday. Jenny Wiley on Saturday. And then uh, Sunday, uh, uh, our, our friend uh, returns uh, Damon's Mound. That's right. Sunday. So yeah, big, big day of big weekend of racing. So something to look forward to. Yeah. Damon's Mount is, is doing well. I do know Damon's Mount is doing very well. And uh, I think they were supposed to go into the, um, oh, the, the three-year-old race for uh, seven, the Commonwealth was not the Commonwealth. What's the three-year-old race for uh, at the Keeneland? Le- the seven, seven furlong race. Oh, the, the um, oh my God, it's escaping me. Lafayette, 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 yeah. I think I decided to go. The uh, Michelle's going to the, the Palisades with uh, with Damon's Mound, five and a half furlongs on the turf. Interesting spot, but I get, I, I can definitely see why she's doing it, and hoping for a big return effort from that horse. I think they're expecting a big effort, so I want her to go. And I won't lie to you, I think I got a single for you in the Maker's Mark Mile. Do you know who it is? Uh, Big Blue, Godolphin. Uh, uh, yeah, Modern Games. You can take that one to the bank at about two dollars and uh, I don't know sixty-eight cents to win. <laughs> yeah, and uh, I'm sure Chad Brown's probably going to win the Jenny Wiley. Yeah, I don't know who's even running, but I'm sure he's going to win it. Well, they haven't drawn yet as of Tuesday night, but I'm sure it'll be a field of six. Chad he'll Brown train two of them. He'll bring three, and then the, the longest price of the third one will go wire to wire. Could right? could do it. Yep, yep. And then. Uh, yeah, of course, the Lexington, we talked about that earlier. Disarm is supposed to headline the Lexington. I don't know who else is in there, but that's going to be – if he were to win that, he would probably vault himself into the Kentucky Derby picture. A lot of people like Disarm after that big run yeah. against the slow pace down in, down in Louisiana against uh, Kings Barnes. Uh, you, you do have to give him some credit. I need I – need, jury's still out for me, but I like to – we'll see. How, and you know they're going to be in it to win it because they need points, right? So. Yeah. Yeah. So we'll see what Disarm does in the Lexington. I guess if they got second, they'd probably be in, but I'm not 100% certain about that. What about the stewards non-call last Saturday? In well, the, it was uh, oh the, the Papilio race. Uh, it was Transylvania is that Appalachian State? Appalachian for three old fillies, yeah. Man, I I don't go on the stewards much, and I, I think overall they do. I think a lot of times people's uh, problems with the stewards, depending on the ticket that they have, but you have got to put yourself aside from that. You got to put your monetary, you know, you, you've just got to be able to look at things in a biased fashion. I cannot believe they didn't like that light in that race. If you saw the race, um, you know, and there's 40,000 people at Keeneland that day. There's people watching, don't normally watch racing. Everybody and their mother saw, I believe it was Pleasant Passage by Shug McGay, who was not going to win the race, may not even hit the board. It doesn't matter. Papillo came in. The second place Fender Cairo concert came out and just horse just absolutely stopped. And I don't give a damn if you don't if you don't take the horse down. You just you've got to light the light to show people that you're paying attention, that 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 you saw what they saw. I mean, maybe you argue the horse doesn't lose a placing. I don't know. I mean, there are people might have had a horse third or fourth in the super factor trifecta probably give a damn. I'm sure the owners did, too. But if you saw that, that was egregious, was it not? 
you've got to protect the gamblers. You've got to protect. Situation. You've got to at least let them know that you're looking out for them. Without question. I, I just cannot believe you watch that race and, and not like the inquiry sign at the very, very least. Even if you don't make a decision or if you don't make a disqualification. That's at fine. Least, at least let me know that you're looking out for me. It has nothing to do with who, they, who they're going to place up. Because the, the second place horse may have been the fault. I don't know. The, the winner may have been. It's irrelevant. Both those horses came together. I think it's more. I do think it was more the winner. But, I mean, just completely shut the horse off and lost. I mean, the horse just stopped at that point. So, you know, the people on TV said it. I mean, sure, everybody in the stand saw it. It's you've got to light the light. I, it, it's again, the decision you make is, is irrelevant to me. You've got to let people know because you've already they already had some issues this week with these massive odds drops on horses at the gate. We just talked to Brian Hernandez. I mentioned to Brian that his horse was 38 to one. I know that because I bet the horse he was 38 to one when they went to the gate. He went off 20 to one. That's an incredible drop. But that's the CRW things. It's something that's kind of plaguing the sport. It plagues guys like me, to be honest with you, who look for overlays and bet overlays. Uh, I know what happened yeah. with uh, Hear My Song. Hear My Song was 24 to 1 going to the gate. One Same the, thing happened to me the, earlier in the card, the Donnemeyer filly that ran second. I can't remember her name now. Uh, was a, I can remember everything about her. Oh, Luan, Luan Machado. I had I bet that horse crossed the board in the uh, – in the uh, the race where she finished second, and the, the horse swerved out in front of her. Uh, that horse oh. that horse was twenty to one entering the gate, and finished as twelve to one. Really? Uh, Which race yeah, was that? and that oh. that was the second race, second or third race on the card. Okay. Will to so, run maybe? Will to run? Yes, will to run because it was yeah. um because that and, was uh, they did they did throw. Well, Brian up. Brian won the race with mis- mis- uh, mischievous rogue. Right. I forgot. I forgot to compliment Brian on that one because I had I had bet Mischievous Rogue too, and I had that one was twelve to one. I forgot about that, but that in that race they and the, they did call the inquiry. They should throw the flashing inquiry. They didn't make the change. No, they didn't. They didn't like the inquiry. Did they? They it was an objection. Objection. It wasn't objection. You're, yeah. you're right about that. It yeah. wasn't. Objection. I, I I think I think they made the right call, not not making a DQ. But again, like, I would have. That's, made that's my biggest right. problem with the stewards right now is they yeah. don't. Uh, they, they they're hesitant to like the inquiry sign. I, I have a problem with that. I've defended them over over the winter turf. Consistent with their calls. I don't necessarily agree with them, but they were consistent. That's all you can ask for. But they don't. They let the the riders make the uh, make the objection calls, and uh, that's you know like Gaffion is a uh, is a client of Mark Cassie's in that that Appalachian Stakes. He's not going to file an objection against the. Good Probably. point. I didn't even think of that. You're, yeah, you're right. that's not fair to to the riders. I mean, he's not going to crush his business. Uh, you know I, what? I, I did not even think of that. Yeah, Gaffleyon. Why didn't Gaffleyon call that? Yeah, because he rides for Cassie. Cassie won the race. I'm going to assume. Now that said, he probably he also probably thought he didn't have to do that because <laughs> the stewards are going to do it. That dates back to the uh, the was it the 19 the maximum security derby when he really he fouled war. Uh, War of Will. Mm-hmm. Gaffleyon or War of Will for Cassie that day, but uh, Gaffleyon didn't make a claim of foul. On on in that it was a uh, Pratt. Flavian Pratt wasn't even fouled, but he he made he claimed foul anyway. So you make a good point. I hadn't even thought of that aspect of it. Or was John uh, Court maybe? It is one of the John two. Court. John Court. We never did yet. get the real story, did we? That that was no. yeah. So yeah. So we're going on a couple different tangents here, but they're both concerning. Uh, the, the the I understand odds drops. I get it. I know all about that stuff, and I get oftentimes the odds, 
with the horse, I bet they'll drift up. And I'll instead of getting 11 to 1, I'll get 14 to 1. We understand when a horse goes from 11 to 1 to 8 to 1. It's when they go, when they get cut in half from 40 to 1 to 20 to 1 on a big Friday or Saturday at a major racetrack. That's a little hard to take, right? Yeah. Uh, so that, that we already had that issue. But I didn't even know that about Will to Run, his odds dropping like that. And then the inquiry. So Keelan's a fantastic racetrack. We can't complain about anything that they do there. But there was a couple of issues there, correct? Well, that's that's probably going to be here to stay. Unfortunately, the the odds drops that the CRW teams that's they put a lot of money into the pools. Yeah, and, and uh, you didn't see that at Turfway though. You didn't see those massive odds. You did no. see some, a little bit, but you didn't see you didn't see anything as drastic as those. And there's probably other ones that that we missed. Uh, you know, we we can't catch all of them. But uh, the, anyway, the scary thing is that they're right more often than they're wrong. It feels like. Mm-hmm. Well, that's they, if you get a, if you have a good idea what a horse should go off at, and of course they have algorithms. I just have my experience where it's like, and you see, oh, this horse should be six to one. All of a sudden he's seventeen to one. He's got a legitimate chance. So that's what I'm looking at. I look at yeah. that stuff, and all of a sudden I bet, and all of a sudden I get my six to one. In a way, it correct the odds correct themselves, but that, that, that's just too much. So I would like to hear. I, I listened to Maury Wolf on the Steve Vick pod uh, show. I think it was last week. And and I, I want to hear him debate inside the pylons because one Maury Wolf says that the CRW teams do their best work in complicated wagers like pick six, pick five, etc. ITP inside the pylons says the opposite. He says you need to be in those pools. That's where you that's where you make your money at. So I, I'm just curious. I can see both who, sides of that. I can. See I, both I'm sides. curious who who's writing that that argument. Uh, mm-hmm. You know. I, 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 it makes sense to to stay out of the uh, the complicated wagers because that's where they have their advantages. They they're my my little pea marine. They can play tons of tons of weighted combinations, and I can only play right you know a handful. So that's uh, I I feel like that would make more sense. But I like I said, I'd I'd like to hear them argue that. Well, that would be that would be fun to hear, would it not? Yeah. Yeah. All right. I think I'm going to keen on Thursday at the very least. And then we'll see about it. What about you? I am definitely going Sunday. Okay. Maybe Sunday when Michelle's horse is going to be. Yeah, and, and from there, it's day to day. I, I thought about going tomorrow. I haven't even looked at the car Thursday. Friday's going to be just jam packed. I'm thinking you ought to go Thursday, is what I'm thinking. Yeah, we'll see. We'll Maybe see. these folks agree with me. All right. I think we can call it a day then. We have, have Brian Hernandez on. Anytime he's on, it's a great show. And we had Brandon Jaggers on briefly. He he just drops in for the, you know, just the, I guess uh, he's like hit it a, and quit it. He's a hit it and quit it dude. A pin, yeah, a pinch hitter, bottom of the ninth. He comes in and just you know tries to save the day, and then he then he bails out. So yeah, but that's we'll uh, that's our boy. That's our boy. <laughs> All right, on behalf of Brian Hernandez Jr. and Brandon Jaggers and Alan Schneider and thousands of others, CC brought us reminding you. The gambling money ain't got no home.